welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to go ahead and thank Corenza and Peter for supporting the program that way. You can also mail in a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, that's P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And I want to go ahead and thank uh, David, who also sent along a nice handwritten note, as well as Carl and Carolyn, and an anonymous uh, listener in Tennessee. Thank you so much for your support. You can also support the program on an ongoing basis by becoming one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank Damien for becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Damien. And now it's time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, January the 20th of 1951, and the title is Missing Arctic Warfare Report. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to wind up with me depending for my life on the only weapon I've got. A mighty powder puff. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do. Steve, how would you go about firing a rocket if the firing mechanism was frozen? What? You mean you'd drag me in here just to try out a riddle on me? I'm serious. Now answer my question. Okay, okay. So if the firing mechanism was frozen, I probably wouldn't be able to fire the rocket. I suppose that's the wrong answer. No, it's the right answer. And that's what's wrong. Right? Wrong? Hey, look, before we get into a vaudeville routine, I think you'd better start at the beginning. Steve, as you know, the entire Arctic area is a potential battleground. But sub-zero temperatures do a lot of strange things to weapons of war, all the way from impairing their accuracy to rendering them completely useless. So what am I supposed to do? Dream up a new plastic made out of pumpkin seeds to protect them from the cold? You don't have to. It's already been dreamed up. I don't think it's made out of pumpkin seeds, but it's a liquid which does protect weapons and electronic devices from the effects of sub-zero temperatures. Well, that's all very interesting, Commissioner, but I still don't see where I fit into the deal. I'm coming to that. The private company which developed this new plastic has just concluded exhaustive field tests with it up in the Arctic. They learned under actual conditions just how much of this liquid is to be used, how it's applied, and how it affects the accuracy of the weapons. In short... In short, they found out a lot of pretty important information. Vital eh? information, Steve. Their field representative, a man named Holcomb, wrote up a complete report on it, 
for the Western Hemisphere defense meeting, which is slated to be held in Quebec, Canada, tomorrow. Oh, I get it. You want me to go up to Quebec and bodyguard this guy Holcomb? I'm afraid it's a little too late for that. Last night, on a side street in Quebec, they found Holcomb's body. Hmm. He was quite dead. What? And the report was missing. It's vital we get it back. Any contacts in Quebec who might be able to help me? One, Jack Manville, head of research for the plastic company. He's waiting for you in Quebec right now. Now, Steve, get up there, talk to Manville, and go anywhere and do anything that's necessary to find that report. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. In all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Sure, I've got my assignment. Just a simple matter of flying to Canada to find a missing report containing secret information about Arctic warfare. The only hitch is whoever's got the report is already killed to get it, and it's a cinch he'll kill to keep it. All of which means happy times ahead for lucky me. Well, it's Thursday when my plane lands in Quebec. Jack Manville of the plastic company is waiting for me at the airport, and he hustles me into his car. Looks like a real nasty mess, Mitchell. Yeah. How much do you know about it, Manville? Not very much, I'm afraid. Holcomb went up to the Arctic and made the tests. Brought a report back to present at the defense meeting. Last night, they found his body, and the report's missing. You're uh, head of research for the company, aren't you? Yes, that's right. But you didn't make the trip up north with Holcomb? Oh, I couldn't get away. But I told him to wire me when he got back here to Quebec, and he did, so I flew up here to meet him. Looks like I got here too late. Holcomb was the best friend I had, Mitchell. Yeah. You know, that report he had, I suppose you know it's worth a lot of money. Money? Yeah. I'm sure that certain interests would pay a big pile to get their hands on it. And wouldn't be too particular what else they had to do to get it. Well, my job's developing plastics. I'm afraid I'm not up on the international aspects of it. Sure. Uh, you happen to know if Holcomb was alone here in Quebec? No, his secretary, Phyllis Baxter, was waiting for him here. Oh, and I guess we'd better talk to her. See if she can give us any additional information. I thought you'd want to talk to her. That's where we're heading now. Oh, good. You know her pretty well? Oh, just slightly. Why? Uh, she pretty trustworthy? Uh, sure, as far as I know. No, this is her apartment house here. Mm. When did the Holcomb arrive in Quebec? Day before yesterday. And he was killed last night. Well, that means he was in town about 24 hours. I... Go ahead. I, I didn't get in until this morning. The way things turned out, I sure wish I'd gotten here sooner. Uh, when did Phyllis Baxter arrive, do you know? Several days ago, I think. Uh, oh, this is her apartment. Uh. Looking for Miss Baxter? Eh? Uh, yeah, I am. Afraid you're a little too late. What do you mean? I'm Mrs. Gaines, the manager here. Miss Baxter moved out last night. What? Uh, you know where she went? Well, she didn't say. Left in sort of a hurry. Oh, great. Where could she have gone, Mitch? I don't know where, but I've got a pretty good idea why. Uh, Mrs. Gaines, have you had her apartment cleaned up yet? Oh, no. I haven't had time. Well, I'd like to have a look uh, inside, maybe get some kind of a lead. Uh-huh. You a policeman or something? <laughs> or something. Here are my credentials. Uh-huh. I see. All right. Well, there you are. Help yourself. I'll be down the hall if you need me. Thanks. Come on, Manville. Right. Mitchell, I can't believe Phyllis could be involved in this thing. Oh? Why can't you, Manville? Well, it just doesn't seem like her. She's always been... Wait a minute. What is it? Some ashes here in the fireplace. Yeah. 
couple of pieces of charred paper. You think that could be the missing report? It might be. I don't understand. If Phyllis did steal the report, why should she destroy it? Because she was through with it. Through with it? Well, look, man, she couldn't memorize a report like that. That's not what I mean. Let's see. Not in the room anywhere. Let's try the closet. Well, nothing but a few empty hat boxes and... Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, there we are. A couple of white enamel pans, a bottle of hypo solutions. photographic equipment. Yeah, there's your answer, Manville. She knew that report was too bulky to carry, so she transferred it to microfilm. Where are you going? Down to police headquarters. Somehow I still can't believe it. She had anything to do with this. Uh, look, what kind of a description of her can you give me? Well, she was blonde, about medium height, maybe five four, blue eyes. Pretty, but I guess that's about it. Well, that isn't much help. I know it's pretty general, but it's the best I can do. You want me to give you a lift to police headquarters? No, thanks. I want to talk to the manager here again. All right, you call me if I can give any more help, will you? I will. Uh, Mrs. Gaines? Yes? I'd like a little more information from you about Phyllis Baxter. Well, afraid I can't help you much there. She was only here for a few days. Did she have any visitors? I wouldn't know. She came and went mostly by night. Uh, well, I guess my chances aren't too good. Trying to find a blonde girl with blue eyes is probably several thousand like that right here in Quebec. Well, one thing's sure, you'll never find Phyllis Baxter if you're looking for a blonde girl with blue eyes. What do you mean by that? Oh, she was a brunette with dark eyes. What? But, man, they'll just talk... Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe you'd better describe Phyllis to me. Well, as I said, she was a brunette. Rather tall girl, quite beautiful. She always used a great deal of makeup, as I remember. Mascara and heavy lipstick. I see. Well, thanks, Mrs. Gain. Thanks a lot. So, Manville was lying to me, and at this point he looks like number one on my suspect list. I start checking on him, and what I find out makes him sound even more interesting. Then I go to police headquarters and talk to a Lieutenant Billings. Well, Mitchell, I'll put out this description of Phyllis Baxter you've given me. See if any of my men can spot her. Okay. Of course, she's had a 24-hour head start. She could be long gone by this time. I know. You uh, think Manville is behind the scheme, eh? I don't know exactly where he fits in, Billings, but it sure looks like he's involved somehow. In the first place, he gives me a phony description of Phyllis. In the second place, he said he'd only know her slightly, and yet he took me right to her apartment. So after I got the real description of her from the manager, I started checking up on Manville, and I caught him in another lie. Oh? He told me that he didn't arrive here in Quebec until this morning, but I found out by checking the airport that his plane landed last evening. I see. Well, want to make an arrest? Not yet. It's more important that I find out where that report is, and to do that... Come in. Well, Manville. Hello, Mitchell. I knew you'd be here. I want to talk to you. Well, that sort of a surprise, Manville. I thought you'd already done your talking. I lied to you about Phyllis's description. Yeah, I know. Why'd you lie? Well, because Phyllis and I were... Well, let's just say I had it pretty bad for her. Oh? I just couldn't believe, and I, I still don't believe she's involved in this, but, well, I guess I was trying to protect her. Well, that wasn't very smart, Manville. Yes, I know that now. Uh, you also lied about when you arrived here in Quebec. Yes. Why? I came here earlier than I said so I could be with Phyllis, but for several reasons I can't afford to have it known that I was involved with her. I see. Well, so far you haven't been what I'd call helpful in this deal, Manville. Well, maybe I can make up for it with this. Hmm? Here. A snapshot. That's right. A snapshot of Phyllis. Huh. Mrs. Gaines was right. She does wear pretty heavy makeup. Okay, this is more like it, Manville. Lieutenant, I'd like you to have a lot of copies made of this picture. 
Right. We'll put them out at the railroad depots, the airports, and all bus stations. Could be we're not too late after all. Summers, Lieutenant Billings, I'm sending a picture down to you. I want a hundred copies right away. Send some to the airport, some to the railway depot. The rest all... Two hours. We ought to be hearing something soon. She could still be hiding somewhere here in Quebec. Yeah, but I doubt it. Her job probably is to get that microfilm somewhere in a hurry. Lieutenant Billing speaking. What's that? You're certain? I see. Right. I'm afraid we are too late after all, Mitchell. What do you mean? A girl answering Phyllis Baxter's description boarded a plane for Paris three hours ago. Paris? Huh. Well, we've got an agent in Paris. Slater. Okay. I'll cable him to meet her plane and I'll be on the next one. Fifteen hours later, I'm in Paris, but Slater isn't at the airport. I start walking towards the taxi stand, and then I spot a little guy hurrying after me. Uh, Mr. Mitchell! Uh, Mr. Mitchell! Huh? Uh, Mr. Slater asked me to meet your plane. I recognize you from the description he gave me. I am Jacques Duval, European representative for the Plastic Company. Oh, where is Slater? At the railroad depot. He wants you to come there immediately. What's he doing at the railroad depot? Didn't he grab Phyllis here at the airport? She was not on the plane. What? Oh, great. Don't tell me they made a mistake back in Quebec. Uh, Come, I I will take you to Slater. There is Mr. Slater over there, Mitchell. Yeah, I see him. Hi, Slater. Well, what's the deal? A merry-go-round, you mean. I got your cable and met the plane all right, but when it landed, no Phyllis. I don't get it. Uh, Neither did I. So I made a quick check and found out the plane landed in Ireland first. She must have gotten off there. She did get off there, Steve. I found that out, too. But from there, according to what I could piece together, she grabbed the plane for London, then a boat across the Channel, and the boat train here to Paris. That is the boat train just arriving over there now. Boy, she's sure trying to cover her tracks. That was good work, Slater. I... Hey, wait, look. That's Phyllis who just got off. Come on. Hey, she looks like she's trying for that other train standing there. Yeah, what train is that, Duval? Uh, the Orient Express. Its final destination is Istanbul. Hey, wait a minute. Where'd she go? She must have popped into one of those compartments. No, 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 no. Oh, there she is. She came out again. Hey, hey, not so loud. Look, she heard us. She, she's taking off through the crowd. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Mitchell. I did not realize how Okay, he... okay. Hey, Steve. There's a train coming along on that other track. Maybe she's trying for it. No, 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 no. She could not be. That is a true express train. It does not stop at this station. Hey, wait. She doesn't even see that train. Steve, she's right in front of it. Come on. Let us through, please. One side, please. Let us... Steve. Yeah. Oh, brother. Oh, sacred blue. Well, this is sure the end of the line for Phyllis. Yeah, I sure hope she's got that microfilm on her because if she hasn't, it looks like the end of the line for us. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Phyllis Baxter's body is taken to the morgue. I give her purse and the rest of her effects are good going over, but I can't find the microfilm anywhere. Monsieur Mitchell, perhaps Mademoiselle Baxter passed along to a confederate before she reached Paris. Well, if she did that, we're dead ducks. 
But that doesn't add up either, Duvall. If she'd already passed it along, why'd she go to so much trouble to cover her tracks on the way to Paris? <sighs> Most perplexing affair. It sure is. If I could only get a line on who her contact might be. Hey, look, you're the European representative for the plastics company. Has anybody approached you recently trying to get information about this new plastic? No, no. As a matter of fact, the development of the new plastic was kept such a secret that even I did not know of its existence until after the report was stolen. Well, it sure looks like we're up against the proverbial stone wall. That microfilm wasn't in any of her clothes and it wasn't in her purse. Hey, incidentally... There was something else that wasn't in her purse either, and it bothers me. Oh? Steve! What do you mean? What is it, Slater? Just got a code message from our agent in Istanbul. Yeah? According to the scuttlebutt there, the microfilm's been placed on the open market for sale to the highest bidder. What? But the microfilm couldn't have gotten to Istanbul yet. Who put it up for sale? He doesn't know. Hmm. And whoever it is must be pretty sure it's on the way. I... Hey, wait a minute. That train Phyllis was running for at the depot when we first saw her, Duval... You told me that was the Orient Express, that its final destination is Istanbul? Oui, but when Phyllis saw us pursuing her, she jumped out of the compartment again. That's right, Steve. Phyllis probably was planning to take that train. But she didn't, so where does that leave us? I don't think she ever was planning to take that train, Slater. Hmm? Well, what do you mean? I told you there was something else I didn't find in her purse, and it bothered me. Duval, there was no train ticket. But in that case, she... Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I think I got it, Steve. You, you figure Phyllis jumped aboard the train just long enough to pass the film along to someone in that compartment, huh? Yeah. Hey, what compartment was that, anyway? Mm, let's see now. Third compartment from the front, I believe. Yeah, in the second car. Okay. Duval, what's the first stop for the train? At the Italian border. Okay, I can overtake it by plane. Slater, get me a reservation for that compartment. I'm getting on at the border. Okay, Steve. Uh, Mitchell, uh, I have business in Trieste. I will accompany you there. Perhaps I may be of some help. Yeah, you might at that. Okay, let's get going. Duval and I grabbed the plane for the Italian border. Our tickets are waiting for us there. We jump into the compartment just as the train pulls out. There are three other passengers in the compartment. Sitting across from me, holding a few assorted travel folders in her hand, is a freshly scrubbed-looking girl with Holland written all over her and the kind of complexion that lipstick and powder would be an insult to. Next to her is a loud-talking gent who's waving a hunk of salami around between bites, perfuming the air with garlic, and over in the corner, a smooth-looking boy is reading a newspaper. He's got a briefcase in his hand. Ah, you like some of this salami? Eh? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, but this is the best salami you ever ate. You mean I never ate? Thanks a lot, but no thanks. I'm not a salami fan. Oh, uh, it's a pity. What's a pity? Few people know what a wonderful thing is salami. Oh? The greatest thing is in the leaning tower of a pizza. <laughs> uh, salami. You know, it keeps me from catching a cold. It settles me in the stomach. And once, it even kept me from getting robbed. Getting robbed? See, a man came up to me once on a dark street in Milano. It demanded all my money, see? But with my good friend, the salami, I overcame him. Uh -huh. You breathe in his face, huh? No, I hit him over the head with it. Oh, it's a good salami. Well, powerful anyway. Look, would you mind not waving it under my nose? Okay, I wave it in my mouth. <laughs> oh, fine. You, you like someone? No, thanks. Well, uh, how about your friend? Oh, oh, oh no, no, merci, no. The... 
The little lady, then, huh? No, thank you. Oh, so nobody likes the Pironi's wine, but Pironi. Uh, that looks like quite a collection of travel folders you've got there, Miss... Uh... Uh, Karen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do not dream there are so many places in the world. Oh, not much of a traveler, huh? Oh, no. No, this is first time I ever leave home. What uh, part of Holland is home? Why, Rotterdam. But how do you know I am Dutch girl? Well, that freshly starched and scrubbed look is pretty hard to mistake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose if I am to travel, I, I should do as other women do. Mama would never let me wear lipstick, but now... Ah, you're doing fine without it. Uh, you on a vacation? Uh, no. No, I go to live with Uncle in Arabia. Last week, Mama passed away. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, nice cheese, anybody? Oh, brother, you must have a hollow leg. Oh, no, no. Eat and drink is good when riding. Yeah, how about when you're not riding? Well, it's just as good. Mitri. What is it, Deval? That man in the corner reading the newspaper. Not much of a talker, is he? He has been watching you over the top of his paper. Oh. Look at the briefcase in his lap. Briefcase? Hey, it's ah, strapped to his wrist. Oh, <laughs> whatever he's got in there must be pretty important. Microfilm, for instance. <clears throat> Anything uh, new in the paper? Hmm? Oh, no, only uh, the usual. Happen uh, to know what our next stop is? Uh, why, no, I do not. This your first trip? Oui. Monsieur, if you do not mind, I am reading. Yeah, yeah, so I see. Real friendly, isn't he? It would be very interesting to find out what is in his briefcase. Yeah, yeah, but how? I, I still got some salami left. Don't worry, we can smell it. I'm going out for some air, Duval. That garlic is killing me. Very well. I will keep an eye on them when you are gone. I go out on the platform between the cars. It's dark. I light up the cigarette, and then I hear the door open behind me. I start to turn around, but just then, something hard connects with the back of my head. I hit the floor, stunned. I fight my way to my hands and knees, and then I feel a rush of air. The outside door has been opened. I feel somebody dragging me towards it. I try to hold back, but I'm still groggy. A final shove, and I slide out the door, but just as I do, I manage to grab the handrail. I'm swinging loose now, hanging on by one hand, then... Somebody's foot starts kicking at my hand. I can't hold on much longer. Suddenly, the kicking stops. I hear running steps. Then I'm being hauled back up on the platform. Here, up with you. What? Oh, the conductor. I heard the commotion and found you hanging by one hand. You uh, spot the guy who tried to ease me out? I saw someone leaving as I approached, but it was too dark to tell who it was. I see. Okay, thanks for the lift, Buster. Dog. Deval. Deval. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Misha. Yeah, Mitchell. <gasps> Your hand, it is bleeding. Uh, here, I got plenty wine. Pour some over it. Uh, what happened, Mitchell? Hey, hmm? where's the guy with the briefcase? Well, he left the compartment right after you did. Oh, great help you are, Deval. Oh, I am sorry, Mitchell. I guess the air in here made me uh, drowsy. Oh, here. Here, I have handkerchief in my purse. I will bandage your hand with it. Oh, I... Okay, thanks, Karen. Yeah. There, there you are. How about you, Peroni? What, what about the Peroni? Did you leave the compartment? Oh, me? No. I've been busy eating. Trieste, Trieste. 
Hey, where are you going? Oh, I get off at Trieste, but I leave you the rest of the salami. It's very good. Mr. Mitchell, this Peroni... What about him, Karen? Well, he lied to you. He he did leave the compartment after you did. What? Yeah. I was afraid to tell you in front of him. Mitchell, and now he is getting off here at Trieste. We had better follow him. I still want to know what happened to the gent with the briefcase. He... Well... Speak of the devil. Are you referring to me, monsieur? I sure am, Buster. Where have you been? Why, I do not see that it's your affair. You could be wrong. I said, where have you been? I was getting a drink of water, if that meets with your approval. You sure you weren't out on the platform a few minutes ago slugging me over the head? I do not know what you are talking about. I tell you I was getting a drink of water. Pretty long drink of water. Monsieur, I am certain these things are none of your business. You were getting off here, Trieste? Do I look as if I'm getting off the train? Then where are you heading? Istanbul. Now, see here, monsieur. I've had enough of these impertinent questions. What is the meaning of this? Skip it. Come on, Deval. We must hurry. The train will be starting up at any moment. I'm staying. What? But the girl has just told us it is Pironi lied about... Call it a hunch if you want, but I'm going on to Istanbul. But if this hunch of yours That's is wrong... That's a chance I'll have to take... But we'll be covered one way or the other. How do you mean? You're getting off here at Trieste anyway. But, but of course. Oh, oui, oui, oui. I can follow this Pironi. Okay, go to it. But just one thing, though. And what is it? Try to stay awake, will you? Ah. Duval scurries off the train after the salami kid, and I settle back in the compartment. The rest of the way to Istanbul, I keep my eye on the gent with the briefcase. He divides his time between reading his newspaper, taking a few naps, giving me an occasional nasty glance, and making a few mild pitches at Karen, who, in her wide-eyed way, seems thoroughly flattered by the attention. Finally, we arrive at Istanbul. Karen heads for a hotel, and the guy is close on her heels. I follow them into the bar and take a table near the corner, where I can keep my eye on him. Then, after a while, he gets up. I follow suit, but much to my surprise, he heads for my table. I think this matter has gone entirely far enough, Mitchell. Oh? I know exactly what you are after, but rest assured, you will never get it. Well, that's interesting to know. Well, now that we understand each other... You are obviously an agent. Well, a matter of fact... For a rival manufacturer, you Hmm. have learned of our new creation. Hey, 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 wait a minute. An agent for a rival manufacturer? What are you talking about? Ah, my friend, do not attempt subterfuge. Hmm? It is obvious you have learned of our new creation. Learned that we intend to introduce in the Middle East. And so you followed me, thinking you would get a chance to steal it. So that cheap imitations could be attempted. Cheap imitations? Hey, look, who are you working for, anyway? Uh, as you know, for Henri Bonnet. Whoever that is. You do not know who Henri Bonnet no, is? No, and I'm beginning to think I don't know what you've got in that briefcase, either. But you must have heard of the firm Henri Bonnet. In all of France, the most famous, the most exclusive creator of women's girdles. Girdles? You mean to say that's what you're carrying in your briefcase? But of course. Our new model. Exquisite and revolutionary. Not a two-way. Not a three-way. But a four-way stretch. Oh, great. A girdle salesman yet. (laughs) That does it. I... uh, Hey, wait a minute. What is the matter? I just remembered something I noticed on the train. It didn't make sense until right now. I'll see you later, four-way. 
I spot Karen just as she's easing out of the bar. I follow her upstairs and catch up with her just as she's entering her room. What? what? Mr. Mitchell? Yeah, Mr. Mitchell. Look, let's go inside. I want to talk to you. Oh, but, but I... Come on, come on, inside. What, what, what is the meaning of this? I think the meaning of it is in your purse. Let's have it. No, no, let go. Ah, but... Thanks. Now we'll take a look. I will call the police. I don't think so. Ought to be here somewhere. Yeah, here it is. A compact. Yeah, but of course. What is so strange about a woman's compact? Nothing, except when it's carried by a woman who doesn't wear any makeup. I spotted it in your purse when you bandaged my hand with your handkerchief, but it didn't register until now. No, you don't wear any makeup, Karen. But Phyllis Baxter did. She passed this compact to you at the depot in Paris. No, no, that is not true. Save the pretense, my dear. What was... Yes, I will take the compact, Mitchell. Well, what do you know, my friend Duval? What'd you do, fly here from Trieste? Precisely. It's been you and Karen right from the start, huh? Kill him, Duval. Oh, oh, presently. The compact, Mitchell. Give it to me at once. You're the boy who slugged me on the train pretending to be asleep in the compartment was a good cover for you. And Karen tried to throw suspicion on Peroni, eh? Mitchell. But I knew it wasn't him. If it had been, I'd have gotten a whiff of that garlic on the platform. Mitchell, I will not ask you again. Give me that compact. You know, hiding the microfilm in this compact's a good gag. Where have you got it? Inside this powder puff? For your information, it is behind the mirror. Now. Okay, okay, you want the compact, but wouldn't you like some powder instead? (laughs) You can't shoot when you can't see, bud. Uh, sorry, you're not leaving, Karen. Let me go. Sit down. No. I said sit down. You, you. Temper, temper. You know, you and Duval had a pretty neat scheme, Rig. And if you'd been wearing any makeup, I probably never would have tumbled to the compact gag. Oh. Yep. I guess you might say that that would have put an entirely different complexion on the matter. <laughs> Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. Dangerous assignment came to you from Hollywood. Tomorrow, be sure to hear The Big Show on NBC. Welcome back. This was an interesting episode because if you watch our video theater series, we just played the TV episode that adapted part of this radio program. The TV episode was set mostly on the train and then in the scenes following. And there were a few details added at the beginning to make the general story ideas and 
plot from this episode work in this uh, new format. And you can understand why that would be with television, particularly early television. One of the great strengths of radio that Dangerous Assignment really uh, plays into is that over radio, you can tell these really great, sprawling, epic stories. You can have so many scenes and settings, whereas to do that in a TV program or movie requires an exponentially higher budget. And in the 1950s, regardless of the budget, and the Dangerous Assignment TV show had a limited budget. It would look, not look nearly as good as the listeners to the Dangerous Assignment radio program could imagine. I did find myself wondering whether the guy in Quebec would end up having something to do with the deal. I can say the deal because we're talking about Dangerous Assignment and everything is always the deal. Uh, I was wondering if he would end up having something to do with the deal in this, right up until I recognized that this was going down the same path as the TV episode, The Salami Story. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day, and I want to go ahead and thank Timothy. Timothy has been one of our Patreon supporters since April of 2017, Currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Timothy. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this program, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. And please be sure to rate and review us wherever you are downloading the podcast from. Join us back here next Wednesday for another episode of Dangerous Assignment. But coming up tomorrow, it's an episode of Philo Vance where... Mm. Well, who was it for it? I do not know yet. Mm. Yes? Well, who was it? Wait here. Um, it was mm. a man outside. His name is Philo Vance. Mm? The butler told him you were up here, so he came up. Mm, what was that name again? Philo Vance. Mm. He is private investigator. Mm-hmm. He read about your coat being stolen, and he wishes to talk to you about it. Is he attractive? Oh, yes, madame. Very. Oh, let him come in by all means. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, come in, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mrs. Williams. I'm Philo Vance. How do you do, Mr. Vance? Chocolate? No, thank you. You don't mind if I have... Oh, go right ahead. Thank you. Mrs. Williams, Mm -hmm. your fur coat was stolen. Mm -hmm. A woman faked an accident, was carried in here, and she took the coat and disappeared while the policeman was calling for an ambulance. Mm. You you read about in newspapers? Yes. Will you tell me what the woman looked like? I haven't the slightest idea. I never saw her. Policeman carried her into my room, left her there to make the phone call. By the time he came to tell me I had company, (laughs) she'd vanished. I see. I thought perhaps you might be of some help, but apparently I was wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, can I get you something to make up for it? No, thank you very much. I have my massages at the club. Um, oh, Vance, there is something I didn't tell the police that maybe you'd like to know. Yes? No, a woman, whoever she was, took a pair of stockings that belonged to me. In addition to the coat, she left a souvenir, one torn stocking of her own. She left one stocking here? Mm-hmm, that's right. Well, I'll have Florette get it for you if you like. Yes, it's indeed. Rip, but it might mean something to you. It certainly might, Mrs. Williams. Mm-hmm. 
when she left her one stocking. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.